We're going to be in Romans chapter 8 this morning. And um, we're starting a, a series called At the Movies. And, and for those of you that don't uh, subscribe to Facebook or social media or TV or digital things on your phone or living with electricity, um, We aren't meeting to watch a full-length movie. <laughs> We're not meeting at the theater. <laughs> We're not watching the movie tonight. We're uh, basically pulling a, a, uh, a tool like Jesus did that as he looked around, he would point to things that people understood and knew and saw, hey, when people build houses, and he would use that as an illustration, and when they walk through a grain field, and when you see the olives, and when you see the fig trees, and and since most of us don't live around those things, we live in a digital world where we watch TV and we watch movies, then I believe there are messages that can speak to us if we'll look for the things and the principles of God while we're watching. And not every movie obviously has this, but I believe that uh, we can look and we can learn because as our world becomes more and more digitized, I think that we have to be, be willing to say, this, this is stuff I probably shouldn't watch. <laughs> and, and this is stuff that, even though I'm watching it and it's for entertainment, uh, is there something to be learned from it, especially as we teach our children that they see it and they, uh, it's amazing how much they see that we don't see sometimes. They look and they see the things that we don't see. And, and I think it's good for us to be able to say, okay, uh, if this is what we're seeing, how do we put this into practice? It's not just random images on a screen. We're not just cats watching things move, I hope. Um, and so we want to see both the negative and the positive of, wow, you know, this, this really doesn't have a lot of redeeming value, and this, this does. This has some learning points in it, and, and I believe that we can speak to that and, and live some of this out. But uh, this morning I want to talk about a hard subject for, for modern times. And um, uh, I had a great day at the beach yesterday with my family and had a great time. And so if it sounds like um, somehow it's, it's pointed or uh, that I'm upset, I'm, I'm not upset. I'm just telling you up front that I'm really concerned about our modern-day belief system because it seems like it is so fragile. It seems like Christians are so tenuous, so, oh, I don't know, something something's going to bump me off the bubble and I just can't do this Christianity or I've given up on my faith or, or I can't live by these values anymore or I'm embarrassed by this stance that, that God takes or, and, and so I'm going to do my own thing and it doesn't mean I don't believe that there's a God but I just don't know if I'm going to be a Christian and I don't know if I'm going to... And I, I really struggle with that as a, as a human being and, and not just as a pastor but by what I read according to the Bible... I think the Apostle Paul and Abraham and all the saints before him would look down and say, what a bunch of wimps. I didn't have Caleb to listen to. I didn't have Sunday school. I didn't have, and they would just start. And I even think about modern day going to another country. And we're like, uh, I don't know if I can go to that church. You know, they do like they dim the lights and sometimes it's cold and sometimes, and other countries is like, you had a building to go to? You had electricity? Indoor toilets? 
Yeah, it must be really tough to have that kind of faith. But the biggest thing is that it's really a sign that we're very distracted believers. That we've got our eyes on all the wrong things, and the reality is we must keep our focus even more so on Jesus Christ, what he said, what he did, and how he lived. Because the world isn't that place anymore, and it doesn't mean that we give up. In fact, it's, it's the thing that we were here for. He's put you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you, all of us in this place for such a time as this, so that we can be people that show the world what faith is really all about. But unfortunately, we see more and more people backing out of it, making excuses, surrendering their faith, giving up ground, instead of being people that realize, hey, there are some tough things that are going to happen because that's just life, and it's not my job to blame God. It just happens. And it doesn't change my faith. And the Bible is replete with stories of Testing of faith, 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 and God proves himself time and time again, and the person's strength, or faith is strengthened, not weakened. And the reason that many of us struggle in our faith is we've got our eyes on something else, or we thought that somehow this is going to get easier. And I'm telling you right here, it's not going to get any easier the days going ahead. And it even tells us towards the end of the book that we need to gather together so that we can encourage each other and stir each other up and spur each other on to good works even as the days get darker. Now think about that. If the Bible says the days are going to get darker, what are you going to believe? And so as it gets bad, that means that we shine brighter, but the thing is you've got to be willing to stay shining instead of giving up and giving in and backing up and making excuses and blaming God and doing all those things that we see modern Christianity doing. And and I can't even imagine if you've been doing this for 50 years, 60 years, how you must look at us and say, good God, what is wrong with these people? You've got everything at your disposal and you can't hold it together. But I am here to say that it doesn't have to stay that way. But what it takes is, is not me saying it. What it takes is an awakening in you. Something needs to awaken in you that maybe has been dormant because I truly believe that Jesus Christ has placed a portion of his Holy Spirit in us to make us spiritually alive. And maybe you're letting that dim out. Maybe you've been focused on the wrong things. But I'm here to tell you this morning that it doesn't have to be that way and it shouldn't be that way. We should be people that are awake on task and focused on Jesus Christ and his mission, not your mission, not my mission, not even a church's mission, because our mission is the same as the Bible mission, which is to lead others into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you're not helping fulfill that mission, I guess my question is, what are you doing? We talk about football and sports, and and I think it's great. I I, I mean, I love sports. I've coached it. I've played it and all of that stuff. But I, I just have to sit here this morning and say, as much as I love us as a church, this is a problem that's going on around the globe where people are having to, quote, reevaluate their faith. I don't have to reevaluate my faith because Jesus Christ has not changed one bit And because I see things and because I feel things and because I experience things doesn't change what he did for me and in me. Now, maybe that's not your experience, but I hope that it will be. You need 
to make your decision based on Jesus Christ, not how you feel, not how cool a church is, not how dynamic a pastor is, not how cool the lights are or the worship, because if all of that goes away, will you still serve him? What if there's a massive earthquake and this building is gone, the electricity is gone, the air conditioning is gone, everything's gone, and we got to meet in the field, will you still follow Jesus Christ? What if there's no more programs? And that's what we become some, so accustomed to that my concern is that day by day we're replacing Jesus with stuff. And yet this passage I'm going to have us look at this morning tells us exactly what we should expect. And, and I think maybe the problem is, and I want to be gentle with this, is whether it's the pastor or how you were raised or the church you grew up in, you've been babied and you need to know your word. You need to stop making excuses and you need to start reading his word for yourself to know what to expect and who Christ really is. You can't count on me. I'm going to do my best, but I won't be here forever. I'm not there at your job on Monday. You need to know who Jesus Christ is and what his word says for you, for your situation. And the only way that happens is you have to read it for yourself. You see, when I got saved, and it wasn't that long ago, maybe for some of you it seems like it was long ago, (laughs) I wasn't saved to a program. I wasn't saved because it was a super cool church. I didn't even know what a church was. And, and in those days, there wasn't cool church. There was just church. There were no worship bands. <laughs> there was no different lighting. There was no PowerPoint backgrounds. And that should only add to, we should be thankful for the technology, but that never replaces the commitment that we made to a Savior. I never had Sunday school. I never had follow-up. Nobody brought me cookies after I got saved. I don't know how I did it. No pastor called me two weeks later and says, hey, are you still saved? Or are you going to be coming back? I didn't have social media to find out what was going on at the church and, and are there things for my kids and what can I get from this church and do you have things that are interesting to me? You know what was interesting to me is I met a Savior that saved me of my sin. And the fact that he did that for me kept me coming back, and I will continue to come back no matter what happens. We've had difficulties. We've been through our ups and downs. We've seen changes in economy and politics and church life and discipleship and lack of it and family loss and pain and divorce and all kinds of things. And we've shared that experience with people that have felt all of that as well. And yet that doesn't change our Savior. But it seems like now we're almost looking for any opportunity to back away from our commitment to Him and to not serve Him fully because things are hard. And I'm not going to talk about old school or any of that stuff. I'm just telling you life is hard. And it's not supposed to get easy just because you serve Christ. What happens is what's inside of you changes. 
It doesn't change the world around us. It changes you. And if you haven't had that experience, I hope you have that experience soon. And today would be a great day to start that experience. (laughs) Instead of expecting the world to change to you, how about you change and give your life to Jesus Christ? Because he asked something of you. You come and you serve me. And hey, I'll be with you no matter what's going on. When it gets hard, I'm there. When it's easy, I'm there. When you're full of tears, I'm there. When you're facing things you never thought you were going to face, I'm there. So let's start with a premise this morning from Romans chapter 8. I'm going to be reading from verse 28. This is a very well-known verse, and people, unfortunately, use it a lot out of context. And I want you to understand that the context this morning is that we are called to be overcomers. But the only way that you can be an overcomer is you have to overcome something. Does that make sense? (laughs) See, the Bible says over and over again, I'll be with you, I'll be with you, I'll be with you, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, I'll be with you. Uh, I will come and you see my salvation. He just says this over and again. God is ever-present. And yet what we really want, even though he says, I've, I've made you more than conquerors, I've made you more than victors, I've, I'm with you always, he said all these things. What we really want him to say is, I- I'm going to make it easy. And I'm here to tell you this morning, nowhere does he say that. He didn't have an easy life. His followers don't have easy lives. And if you're expecting the easy life, you've signed up for the wrong thing. (laughs) You want to know when it gets easy? When he comes back for us and we're all changed. Then it gets easy. And so to share with you a part of my life that was uh, very formalizing for me, but it really, uh, you know, two phrases that from the military that I learned and heard over and over again. First, when... I was with uh, a Marine unit. It was almost like their candy slogan. They just love it. They put it on all their T-shirts. And pain is just weakness leaving the body. Okay? Pain is just weakness leaving the body. But we have such a low threshold for pain, any kind of pain in America, emotional, spiritual, physical, that all pain is bad. All hardship is bad. We got to... And the second one that, that I still believe to this day is this. The only easy day was yesterday. When's it going to get easier? Yesterday was your easy day. For those of you that, oh man, I hope it gets better. Yesterday was your better day. Nobody's going to say it's going to get any better for you until he comes back. And when he comes back, then we won't have to worry about it at all. But until then, we stay and we fulfill this. And this is what he's telling us here. Paul is speaking to uh, a, a Roman population, some, some Jews and believers there. And this is what he's saying. Because he's, he's talking about this life in spirit. And he's even, he begins this, this, this passage talking about, I, I'm not going to count these, these temporary uh, sufferings because I know the incredible joy and the, the glory that I'm going to inherit, but this is what he says, verse 28, and we know that God causes everything to work together. Now, we're going to stop right there for just a minute. Do you know that this morning? I'm not asking if you've heard that, but do you know that? Deep in here, do you know it, that God causes everything 
good, bad, ugly, tearful, joyful, strenuous, heartbreaking, uh, emotional, distracting, everything, anything. Do you know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God? And we're going to stop right there again. Look at that. Everything that's happening in your life, we want to prevent all the bad things, and yet God says, I can use that for good. There's nothing that's going to happen to you that I can't use for good. The hard part is, you have to love me. If you love the world, and you love your plan, and you love easy living, and you want to retire, and you love other things, then it may not seem like it's going to work out for good. But if you love God, I can take all of that and make it work. So you've been through a divorce, you've been through some pain, you've been through an abortion, you've been through molestation, you've been through drug addiction. God never wanted that for you, but he said, I've got a plan, and I can use that for good. It may have been painful. It may have been the worst moments of your life. But you don't have to have that as your identity. You don't have to keep losing. You don't have to keep failing. I can take that and make that part of your history, not your future. And you can help other people that are struggling with that, that you are the one that overcomes it. But if you never have to overcome anything, then how are you ever an overcomer? It's no different than going to the gym. It can be painful. You first start an exercise, walking, weight routine, and your muscles aren't used to it. Your tendons aren't used to it. The next day, you feel very different than the day you were excited and were in the gym. You're in the gym thinking, hey, this feels great. This is good. And then the next day, you wake up, and it feels like somebody shrunk all your muscles. But can I tell you that the tension... on your muscles is what begins to break down the flabby muscle and create strong muscle. And if you want to continue to get stronger, you've got to add weight and or repetitions, right? And depending on your level of faith or your activity, then you've got to know where you've got to start. But, I mean, I go to the gym a lot, and I lift a lot, and to me, I don't know how long I could sit and lift uh, my wife's eight-pound weights. Getting a workout. But somebody that's just starting, that would be perfect. But I can tell you that me switching from the weights that I lift to her weights is not going to make me stronger. It's actually going to make me weaker. That's what brings us to this point, is that God is putting tension and resistance in our lives, not to hurt us, but to make us stronger. And he continues to increase the resistance when we start thinking, it should be getting easier. And he's like, you don't understand. And the way that I learned to lift was that you warmed up for a little bit. That's called salvation. That's getting your feet wet in Christianity. And then with each progressive set, at least for me, I add weight. So I start with a set of, if I do four sets of five or three sets of ten, I start with a weight, and then I keep adding weight. And the end 
repetitions are heavier than the beginning repetitions. You see, but in, in America, we want it backwards. We want it to start light and get lighter. And can I tell you, with embarrassment, even in our pulpits, this is becoming an issue, that it's getting lighter and lighter. I don't mean brighter, but we are moving away from the true gospel of Jesus Christ into some form of gospel that is not glorifying Christ, and we're not producing people that can actually live in the world with their faith. And I refuse to be that person. I understand coaching, and I want you to know that I love you, and I'm not here to jack you up or tear you down or do any of those things, but I am here to tell you the truth, that if you're expecting a free ride, there are no free rides in the kingdom. And he wants to use you as a source, as a vehicle to get the message out to the world around you. And if you can't handle some extra resistance, then what do we do? We show people that our faith is no better than their lack of faith. He causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and, this one's big, and are called according to his purposes for them. You are called people. You have been called to something. You aren't called to you. You aren't called to a church. You're called to Jesus Christ permanently. It's a lifelong endeavor. It, it, that was his intent. Now, I know people are backing out, and, and people are showing, hey, uh, I've got a different plan. I'm going to do this for a while, and then it gets tough, and I'm, I'm out. And what's hard is that we feel bad if we call those people quitters. But I don't know what you call a follower who doesn't follow. What do you call a fisherman that doesn't fish? There's no retirement plan. There's no short-term leasing your faith. <laughs> he will use everything in our lives for good. I would never ask for those painful times to come into my life. That's just ludicrous. Nobody should do that. But God wraps up those painful times so that you can be a light and a witness to somebody else. So when you're dealing with a husband that doesn't believe and, and gives you fits, guess what? There's another lady out there. You're not in it alone. And maybe you're the reason that you've been put in that place to speak to somebody else. If you're the guy that struggled with this, that, and the other, it's not because God hates you and it's not because the world's against you. It's because God can use everything and anything for good. And maybe you're the person that shows them that God overcomes those things. And it's not me that can do it. And it's not some cool program. It's God in me that gets me through these things. But to back away shows zero faith and shows that you got to a point where I don't like the resistance, I don't like the struggle. But life is that struggle. And it was designed that way. It's been that way forever. Like, like I said, read your Bible and it'll show you. You'll see yourself in here. The things you're struggling with, you'll see yourself in here. I can guarantee you're not struggling with anything that the people in the Bible didn't struggle with. The book is a book of struggle and salvation, and redemption, and grace, and him saying, come on, get back up. I've got your back. Come on, get back up. But if we give up and give in and back away from what we're doing, I really struggle with what the world's going to look like at that point. 
but we are called according to His purpose. His purpose. What's His purpose for you this morning? Have you ever asked that? What's, what's your purpose in the kingdom? What do you bring to the table for the common good of others? What do you bring to the table that can change the environment in your workplace, in your home, in your school, in your situation? Because God has uniquely gifted you and called you to something. And it's not to just sit in the church. I'm glad you're here this morning. But this is not the fullness of the Christian life. This is just our equipping time. This is the Sunday morning huddle. And then we say break, and we head out there to live our life and play the plays, and he gets to call the plays. What's your purpose in all of that? Now, here's where it gets really interesting. So we're going to jump down just a little bit, and then we're going to watch a a, a movie clip to help you understand this. Verse 35. Now, you have to understand who's writing this. And helping, helping you see behind the scenes, that's my job. So as Paul's writing to a time when the Jews and those of the faith, those that are following Jesus Christ, are in, under incredible persecution, pain. People are dying for what they believe. People are being hunted for what they believe. People are being crucified for what they believe. And here's what he says. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? And he's asking these rhetorical questions to draw them in and remind them, do you remember his promise to you? Do you think that that thing you're going through is going to separate you? Nope. Look at this. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? No. Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death. Now think about that for just a minute. Think about what we see in the world today. Does this sound like we're well within God's plans? But is that a sign that God has abandoned us? No. And isn't that amazing that he's allowing those things to happen, but you've got to keep it in the context of the first verse that we read, right? Those things are going to happen to you regardless of whether God is good, regardless of whether you follow or not. Those things are going to happen, and just because they do happen doesn't mean that God's not for you and that Christ doesn't love you. But if you look at these things as a sign that he's abandoned you and that he can't be God then you've got a wrong belief system because you've got a belief system that says, I want God to make it easy and I want you to do things for me and if you can't do things for me, why do I need God? It's backwards, church. We go to God because we do things for Him. We serve Him out of love because He has saved us and sent a place for us called heaven that we are waiting eagerly to go to. But if you've got it backwards, this sounds weird. Look at this. We have destitute danger, threatened with death. Look at this. He says, even the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. Now, we're almost immune to this in the United States for a certain reason. Is We've got horrible media systems that tell us this, but I'm telling you what. 
In the last five years, we've had more Christians martyred than at any time in the previous history of the world. Think about that. More Christians martyred for their faith. There are Christians dying for what they believe like never before. And here we are in America worried about our Wi-Fi speed. Worried about whether, you know, I hope that the music's good. I hope, and people are dying for their faith. And yet none of them think that that's odd because they read the scriptures that says we're being killed like sheep for the slaughter. Verse 37, and he answers it, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours, how? So get that under your skin for just a little bit. Where does our victory come from? Not being tough, not being trained, not being, you know what it takes? It takes not giving up and allowing Jesus Christ to continue to work in us and on us and through us. That's what he's saying. Know these things don't stop us. In fact, in fact, despite all of these things, we are overwhelmingly or we are more than conquerors, maybe your version says. Think about that. You're more than a conqueror, but that means you don't let these things conquer you. You're more than a conqueror because Christ has loved us. And I am convinced, and I hope that you are this morning too, and maybe this is exactly the message you needed to hear. I am convinced, personally, not just reading from Paul, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Death or life, angels or demons, our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now think about this for just a minute. Has he laid out an easy path? Look what he's talked about. Death, hunger, famine, sword, judgment, fear, worry, all of these things. And yet he says Christ's love has not changed any of that one bit. You can be an overcomer. And so if you expect something different this morning, I hope maybe you've changed your different to a new normal of this is what the Christian faith may look like. And if I don't have that stuff, I should be, woo, hallelujah, I should be singing, right? That should just be gravy, But you know what happens? We aren't facing many of those things and we feel like we're just weak and that we can't push through. But maybe that's because our eyes are on something different. So I'll ask you the question, again, a rhetorical question like Paul. What are you looking at? What are you putting your life on that's going to get you through all of this? An experience, a church service, a worship song, a youth camp from 12 years ago, a book you read, 
or is it the everlasting salvation of our Lord Jesus Christ? Because that's the thing that never changes and only gets better with time. Now we're going to watch just about a three-minute clip of this movie. Many of you have seen this before. It's like an iconic part of, of the movie Facing the Giants where this small school is, is not used to, uh, to a winning reputation. And there's going to be a phrase in there that I'm going to talk about afterwards that I want to framework for you so that you don't think I'm trying to lead you into works because it's completely said in the Bible that we are saved by grace not by our works. But this phrase that he talks about, he uses for one of his athletes to get something out of him that he knows is on the inside, but the athlete is resistant to bring it forth. And he says this, you're going to give me your best. Right? You're going to give me your best, right? And the athlete says, yep, But then when the coach continues to draw the best out of him, you're going to see how this scene responds. And I wonder this morning if Jesus was to stand before you and say, are you going to give me your best? Would you say, yep, as long as it's not hard. (laughs) Are you going to give me your best? Yep, as long as my friends don't reject me. As long as I don't lose something, as long as I don't face any of that stuff that pastor was talking about, because that's not my Christian faith. The great part is, whether you believe it or not, if you experience any of these things and you hit rock bottom, if you've got Christ, you've got enough to start again. That's the wonder of Jesus Christ. So if you'd drop the lights for us here, and we're going to watch just a short segment of this, and we'll come back. Did you notice that before he got done, he was hurting, burning in his arms, and he was ready to quit? And it's always hard when you can't see the end, and, and yet it's amazing that when he was blindfolded, he went farther than he probably would have with his eyes open. And I would mimic what the coach said this morning to you, you are gifted. And you've got a lot more in you than you probably ever allowed Jesus to tap because we keep quitting when we see a false finish line or it gets hard or it burns or it hurts or I've never gone that far before or maybe you even drop yourself out because like at the beginning of the video, well, I I wouldn't say that if I thought we could win. Just because you've lost some things, just because you felt defeated, just because some bad stuff has happened, doesn't mean that you've lost. Just means that God's strengthening you. Just means He's preparing you for the next step of what He's going to do in your life. And it's sometimes it's through our defeats that He makes us stronger than ever. And I just want to assure you that all of us suffer something, sometime along the way. If you're truly following Christ, it's going to cost you. And I'm so thankful that Christ doesn't make us do a a death crawl. (laughs) But I have a couple of questions that I want you to think about. 
at what point while Brock is crawling, did the coach turn to the rest of the team and say, stand up and take notice? Did you hear him say that? Church, as we walk through this life, no matter how difficult it may get, no matter what path God has put you on or where you've come from, when we give our best to Jesus Christ, people will stand up and take notice. For His glory, not for ours. That's the thing, is, is when we pose and puff up, and then it's all about us, and it's going to be short-lived. But if we truly determine that we're going to give our best, because I see so many people, especially today, regardless of age, it's not about a, an age group, that they face some difficulties and they decide to give up. And I know that there's more in you. I know there's more faith. I know there's more praise. I know there's more prayer. There's more in you, but you've got to be willing to dig a little deeper than you've been before so that you can go where you've never been before. And Christ is going to make you strong. And I mean strong in all the ways that count. We spend way too much time worrying about all this, <laughs> making sure the wrinkles are out and the hair's colored and calf implants and breast implants and getting our stomach sucked and all this and that and having the latest fashion. And, and yet, the Apostle Paul says, it's only when I'm weak that you are strong. You see, I think what's happened is we're, we're weak in all the wrong places today and strong in all the wrong places today. In the Old Testament, God dealt with a strong group of people, and he said, you are constantly stiff-necked, strong, <laughs> right? You won't bow. You won't twist. You won't, you won't allow me to work with you. And then when I, as was shared this morning, and then when I give you the promised land, you're too weak to go in. <laughs> so I wonder if maybe we need to pray, Lord, make us weak in all the right places. Make us strong in all the right places. Not how the culture would say, but how God would want us to be created for him with our uniqueness and our dependence on him. And we all have a role to play. My job and your job, depending on the situation, is that of coach. I, I truly believe that, I know it's a movie, but having coached, I see this, is that people need encouragement. People need to sometimes be prodded to go beyond what they're used to. And that's the purpose of the Scripture, and that's the purpose of listening to somebody that will tell you the truth about what God says. And that's all it is this morning. I don't despise you. I don't think that you can't make it. If anything, the reason I would say it is I believe that you're going to make it, but we, we've got to get ourselves dialed in to realize our job is that when we face all this mess, it's to give glory to God and that people stand up and take notice, not of us, but of Him. And when they ask those questions, we say, it's because of my faith. It's not because of me, it's because of my faith. So let's think about this again. I am convinced 
that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. When I face death, when I have to deal with life, when I have to face angelic problems, demonic problems, with my fears, with my worries about tomorrow, when the powers of hell seem to be coming against me, nothing can separate me from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Church, you are the revelation of Christ's love. There's no other way for the world to see it. You can't tangibly see love. He sees love through you. And I want to admonish you. I want to encourage you this morning. Much more than a movie, we have the scriptures, which is real and true. It's not some, some cinematic event. It is something that played out in the lives of believers over eons of time to remind us that struggle and suffering and pain and despair, it is part of our life, but it's not the things that make us give up. It's the things that make us dig in. <laughs> I had a revelation 20 years out of high school. It wasn't even pride. Went back for my high school reunion and was talking with a, a guy that I played football with for six years. And I wouldn't have considered myself a good football player. I just played football. It was, an, it was a release for me. It was something I did. It was better than going home. And the guy I always faced off against was an upperclassman, and I remember his name to this day. His name was Norman Woodbury. And not only was he not a good guy, he was a mean person. And he gave people fits all through high school, in everything he was involved in. I have no idea where he is now. But I don't know how many years. I just thought it was the way the football was played, but I played center and he played nose tackle right across from me. And every day in practice, every time I snapped the ball, back when you could do this, he would take his big beefy forearm and slam my head into the ground. Day after day after day after day after day. And I just thought, I guess that's what it means to play this position. <laughs> I wasn't too smart. I'm still not too smart. 20 years later, as I met a guy that played on the team, he reminded me of that. And he said, I was so impressed <laughs> that you faced off with him every time. <laughs> and I thought, well, like I said, it wasn't pride that I was like, yeah, I was, I was that good. I was just like, not like I really had a choice. It's like, <laughs> that's just the way that it was. And for some of you, your life is just the way that it is. And it's not a matter of pride, and it's not a matter of a sad story. It's just, that's the way it is. And God is in you, and God is for you. And he wants to encourage you this morning to say it's not time to quit. There is more in you. There's more in you to keep your marriage going. There is more in you to get your kids saved. There is more in you.
to change your prayer life. There is more in you to change your school. But if you let the culture dictate who you are and how you are and what you will and won't do and, and your circumstances to let you do and won't do, then I'm here to tell you your life is never going to be the fullness of what he's... And, and there will be something that will separate you. Not because of Christ, but because of you. And I'm telling you that there's more in you. And I'm asking you if you would commit this morning all over again, not getting saved again, you can't, but to give God your best in the hard times, in the needy times, in the dark times, when you don't know what to do, when nobody's got the answer, when you don't know what to pray, when you don't feel like lifting your hands in prayer, when you don't feel like standing and praising, when you don't feel like being in small group, when you don't feel like being at church, when you don't feel like being married, when you don't feel like God's even alive anymore, will you give him your best, regardless of the outcome, right? What can you expect? Pain, (laughs) burning, it hurts. It's got to be enough. It's got to be enough. I'm here to tell you, there's more in you and you're probably thinking God sees in you what you can't see in yourself. So wherever you've been, whatever you've done, you put that in the back burner and decide this morning, I'm going to serve him. I'm going to give him my best. No excuses. No excuses. Would you stand with me this morning?